Hi, welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah. You're high. I'm Jonah. I'm not high. I know you're not high. I'm Brad. (laughs) You're high. Sadly, I'm not Uh, high. Steven coming to you live over fiber optics. Yep. Steven's in beautiful New Jersey. Digital Steven. That's why it's called the Garden State. And Steven has his own little house. It's always beautiful in New Jersey. Mm Mm-hmm. How many comic so books I, do you think you have in that place? I know exactly how many comic books I you have. You do in not. That place. You know exactly. I, yeah, yeah. I've got. Um, let's see. I've got twenty boxes, so three hundred comics per box. Twenty times three hundred. Yeah. Twenty times ten is two thousand. No, wait. I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong. It's thirty boxes. Thirty-one boxes, actually. <clears throat> <laughs> that's, that's probably like 10,000, 9,000. Yeah. 9,000 ish world. If you count trade paperbacks, it's probably in the 10,000 ish world. Please someone buy them and get them out of my house. <laughs> yeah. What, what if someone's interested in buying some cool comics? Don't yell at your mic. Don't be angry to you. Tweet mic. at Steven. <laughs> First, tell me what you want. Most likely I have it. <laughs> yeah. Unless you were like me and buying in the eighties, which means you probably have it too. <laughs> <clears throat> Boy, where's my cough, uh, like pedal? Your cough Switch. pedal? I don't know. Cough button. Steven, what do it. you think about um, all these Marvel, uh, these Netflix series like Jessica Jones, and then that dude spinoff one, and all that stuff? I back them. I back them like wholeheartedly. Them? Yeah, I, lo- I love the first season of Daredevil. Uh, second season didn't knock me out too much, but uh, the Punisher, I thought parts were worked really well. I couldn't get into the second season. I only watched like the first episode and it Do you need to forward past all the ninja shit and just do the Punisher stuff? Okay. And then uh Jessica Jones is my favorite. Yeah, I thought that was good. Absolute favorite. And then I'm really liking Luke Cage. Luke Cage is very specific. In which like, way? He it's so I've been a fan of Luke Cage since I was a kid, which is kind of funny because he came out in the early seventies at the the height of black exploitation. So it's, you know, people have been writing about this forever. It was, you know, a, a black superhero uh, written by a bunch of white dudes. So if you read the early comics, he's, you know, trying to talk jive and, he's, you know, everyone's got like giant afros and it's, 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 it's exploitive, but then it kind of got embraced. And so the way that it's shot is very specific, specific. And there's parts of it that's like a homage to early black exploitation films. Which is, I think, really cool. Yeah, interesting. I've heard good things. I haven't seen it, but it's it's good. And one in one recent episode, a guy just yelled out, "Can you dig it?" <laughs> Luke Cage went, "Oh my god, we used to watch the, the the Warriors every night, every Friday at the drive-in." I'm like, "Yes, you did." <laughs> cool, brilliant. That is brilliant. You know who else is brilliant? <laughs> Today's guest on the podcast, Greta Morgan. Segway. You may know Greta from her old band. Steven, you may know her old band, The Hush Sound. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, Fuel by Robin. And uh, now she plays in this band, um, Springtime Carnivore, and they just released their new album, Midnight Room, the Autumn Tone Records. And Greta also recently released this album called Take It, It's Yours with Katie Goodman, where it's all punk covers. They cover, like acoustic her and katie doing like misfits and all these all these songs and that's really cool that's also out um so yeah greta is like a full-time musician doing all these projects she's on tour a lot and 
we guest I had uh, Jenny Ellisgue guest host this episode with me. I love Jenny. I've talked to her in forever. Yeah, she's great. Um, I met her through Jenny Lewis, and she kept telling me how great Greta's music was. And she, they're really good friends. And Jenny lived at her house in L.A. So I set up this podcast, and I was like, Jenny, you should host it with me. And she said, okay. And Jenny um, is a host at Sirius XM and XMU uh, actually XMU. And yeah, and you can check out her stuff. I was t- I recently listened to her uh, moderate this interview between Marilyn Manson and Billy Corgan. But she's um, she's always around. We ran into each other at Bonnaroo. She's like at every festival. She's like she's like a legit like radio person now. And, and like yourself, an, an acclaimed music journalist who yes. writes wonderful articles. Yeah, she's great. So yeah, so this is a really fun episode. A little bit different um, because it's not all just a bunch of dudes. But I think that's good. <laughs> on, on, just like all the rest of our episodes. Yes. Um, so yeah, let's get into it now. This is Jenny Ellescu and Greta Morgan on Going Off Track with me. It's going off track! It is weird how you can feel, though, in a way, as a lady, you wouldn't know this, oh. Joan, of it. But you're like, did it just arrive? Is it oh, here? Yeah. No, Hello? it drops. It's like a, you it's can like, feel it. You're like, oh, damn, something just is changing uh, in my This body. is like how little I know. I'm like, do you, should I get you some water? Is that <laughs> yeah, no, get me is, some hot water, some hot, can you get her some hot <laughs> cloths yeah. or something. A no, granola I don't know. bar or something? Ooh, I would like a granola bar, but that's not menstrual. That's just, yeah. they actually sometimes have granola bars here. Mm. So I could look into I'm that. all right. I don't really breakfast. Really? Yeah. I don't really either. I usually do, but not today. No. Um, so how are we going? Yeah, we're going now. <laughs> Is the podcast about my period? Yes. <laughs> Greta, I wanted to have you come in to talk about Jenny's period. All right. She knows about it. We synced we, up very we quickly. We cycle together. Yeah. <laughs> we soul cycle together. Um, the uteri. How did you two meet? Uh, we let's met. Start things out with that. Yeah, we met originally through the Orwells guys. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I actually had reviewed, uh, the Hush Sound oh, for Rolling Stone many moons ago. Yeah. A full decade. But yeah, we met through the Orwells, guys, mutual friends and stuff. And, uh, and then I was Greta's roommate in her place in LA this past winter, just through friends and, you know, you hear rooms available. I knew she was chill and had an awesome vibe, but I didn't know how awesome. <laughs> It would be. <laughs> how was your How was your roommate situation? Did you guys get along? Did you hang out? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we hung out a lot. Yeah, we I a would... lot of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, also there was there. I had never fully experienced the glory of the projection screen situation. So Greta has a nice projector on the wall in the living room vibe, and it just makes every show seem more epic. Like Bob's Burgers was epic on like projected onto a wall at however many feet wide. Jenny also loves Seinfeld, so she, like, curated some of her favorite episodes. Like, if you know anything about Jenny, you know she knows her shit when it comes to Seinfeld. So, yeah. Yeah, I I made selections for Greta. Nice. But, yeah, it was great. Now we're in love and we're getting married. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, I was familiar with the Hush Sound, obviously, and then uh, I can't remember how we started talking about Greta. I feel like we were just talking about what we were listening to, maybe, or something. Yeah, plus there's the Lewis connection, the Jenny Lewis connection between between all of us. Yes. 
That is true. Jenny is a beloved and cherished friend of all of ours. Yes. Yes, that's so true. I haven't talked to her in a little while, though. Greta's been on the road with Jenny the past few days. Yeah. Last three nights, yeah. And then she's about to be my neighbor for a little while. No way. In L.A., yeah. Nice. Starting, like, next week. How great. How have the how has the last few nights been? Oh great. She's doing those rabbit fur coat shows. Okay. And I was playing with Jessica Pratt, who was opening for three nights, and I've I've seen that show already, but I still watched it every night because it is just so entertaining. It's just like a you know, Rabbit for Coat obviously is a beautiful record. They play it front to back and just like breathe this new life into it, which is so amazing. And then it's just like a best of it's like all the hits. Yeah. It's such a great show. So entertaining costume changes yeah it's just like a, this is a, it's a real performance i was out of town when it happened here i was pretty bummed oh man i really blew it i'm gonna try and i, I can't it. even try and pretend like it's all right yeah yeah <laughs> because i mean like they're not gonna do that show again you like i got to see it in la we saw it together in la and then you know went the other night they were up at uh capitol theater in porchester it's just like present. It's the. It's you know. There's a whole sort of story arc to it, and I guess I don't go to see that many of those album perform front to back things that are so common nowadays. But I'm not aware of people putting as much thought into the presentation of it beyond just like that's the gimmick we're going to play. It's a shame about Ray from beginning to end, or right. Not that Dando should be doing acapella like processionals into the venue with candles and shit right, or right. anything, but. But, like, be my cool. old band, Hush Sound, just did that. We did, like, a very brief 10-year reunion kind of thing, and it was it was very much like... It's like, we're playing those yeah, songs. We're just playing a song. Yeah. yeah, we couldn't even, like, find our backdrop. It was very much just like, yeah, we'll just have fun, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I Yeah, I've talked to some bands who've done it, and they're like, there's one song on the record we don't like, and we just don't pl- acknowledge it. We just skip over it. Wow. And, they're like, one person a night will mention it, because, like, almost no one even notices. Huh. Interesting. Because so. everyone skipped that song. Because the, <laughs> yeah. sk- the, sk- the skippable, <laughs> the skippables will always be skipped. I saw a really awkward. Uh, it's a shame about Ray full performance at Bowery. Okay, a long time ago, and they that, that was one of the first. Yes, that was that was one of the first kids. <laughs> Hello, children. <laughs> um, that was one of the first uh, front to back doing an album. You know, early in the con- I feel like execution of this concept of. I mean, I'm sure like classic rock bands did it, but where it was just like, oh, it's an album from merely 10 years ago and the artist is going to, you know, I don't know. I don't feel like artists from the indie world ever would have thought about doing that kind of thing before. And yeah. And it was like Dando did at Archers of Loaf. Did they? Did Archers of Loaf do Icky Metal front to back? I don't know. I think that was just a reunion, but yeah, I like it. I liked it. I, saw, I feel like I saw Slint did it pretty early on. But if you've only got two albums, then it's yeah. like, what? oh, so instead of our set list having the songs from that album in a weird order, it's going to be in the album more. Yeah. yeah. But at the, it's just a shame about Ray one, when they played Mrs. Robinson, they were like, who wants to come on stage and sing this with us? And some girl got up there and started singing it, and it was like, totally fine, whatever. And then Evan Dando just kind of like walked to the back, and this girl was just like stuck in them like for the whole song. And it got like super weird. Wow. And she kept, I, I've heard that about Alkaline Trio too. Really? About that happening at some of their shows. So it was continue. so. I mean, that's basically it. like she just kept kind of like singing and then like looking at him, and he was just like, and you're wow. just like, I was like, oh my god, like please get this poor woman off. Like, yeah, remind she, me never to volunteer to sing a song I only vaguely know at a yeah. rock show. Oh yeah. E- that's one of my greatest fears. Yeah. <laughs> Is having to go up and sing with another band when I don't totally know the song. Yeah. 
Oh my God, Jenny has a great story. Lewis has a great story about oh, that recently, yeah. where she was told to go out on stage with Willie Nelson. She was told that Willie Nelson specifically <laughs> requested her, her to come out and <laughs> and to sing "Smoke Me uh, Roll smoke, Me Up, Roll Me Up and Smoke Me When I Die." And so she like went. She went into the bathroom oh and God. learned the song and went on stage and sang it. And when she walked up, Willie Nelson and his whole family band was giving her the eye, like, "What are you doing here?" Yeah. And she found out later the person who told her this was just like a prankster. She no was, yeah it was a prankster who had no real connection to the event who just told lied to her and said willie wants you to sing roll me up and smoke me when i die with him and no one was expecting her to walk out on stage but also it's funny because she has reiterated the same fear that i expressed which is just like it's like a huge fear to go up and sing something you're not rehearsed for and she was like yeah he was like a cosmic prankster he just pushed me into the deep end of my greatest fear and i survived it yeah that, that's a really good attitude yeah have you ever have you ever done that saying with anyone else? Um, like, yeah, a few times. I mean, I I sing with Jenny on like Voyager or Acid Tongue when she has people come up. When I was like seventeen and um, on tour with Fallout Boy, which is hilarious, I would go out and play Pete Wentz's bass occasionally while he would like crowd surf. Uh huh. Morby. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've also sing. Um, I sing with Kevin Morby sometimes. Okay. Three three ladies, um, including myself. We call ourselves the Morbets. We like went and did pitchfork with him. We flew all the way across the country to basically sing for like ten minutes. Gotcha. <laughs> but it was really fun. I mean, how do you sort of look back? Like, sort of speaking of Fall Out Boy, like obviously Hush Sound was part of Fuel by Ramen, uh-huh. and especially like that era of the label with like the Academy Is and Jim Class Heroes and all that stuff. Oh, you know your shit, Alternative Presser. I wor- I wor- yeah, working on <laughs> Alternative Press will will teach you a lot about that that world. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, Jim Class Heroes, damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, did you? Because it seems like the Hush Sound were always like doing something a little different, but I felt like all those bands on that label at that time were a little different. I mean, do you look back on that kind of era fondly, like touring with those kinds of bands that obviously you were connected to, but sounded so different? Yeah, I I was always a little bit confused at the time. Like, I always think about that Talking Heads lyric where it's like, and you may ask yourself, how did I wind (laughs) up here? And it's like, that was constantly playing in my head when we were on tour with, you know, like pop punk bands or like even more aggressive kind of hardcore style bands. Um, But I look back on it fondly now, you know, now it was like 10 years ago and what a crazy experience to have at that age. It's like, you know, really, we met so many wonderful people and just had these insane experiences. And also just like witnessing that kind of fanaticism was really interesting. Like the fans of bands like that were so enthusiastic and it was like kind of a contagious energy to be around. Yeah, it's wild to, like, look now at, like, which of those bands are, like, really big still and which ones aren't, because I feel like it's never sort of what you think. Mm. Like, it's funny to see, like, I just did it, last year I did a cover store on, on AP for Fall Out Boy, and I was like, this band is, like, bigger now than ever. And like, Well, yeah, because are you, are you thinking also of Panic! at the Disco? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, it's impressive, I feel like, when a band is able to survive that kind of a thing and be... Like Panic at the Disco's last album, I know I don't know the numbers, but like it did really like first week, you know, first week it did really well, and like it, you know, debunking the urge to be like Panic at the Disco twenty sixteen what or twenty fifteen right right like no actually still quite popular. I mean, I was saying this the other day about the Killers, where you know from that previous collect you know trend commercial trend in music of. Like Strokes, you know, Interpol, yeah, 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 is all that, you know, earlier aughts thing. It's like ultimately the killers who, 
you could t- say were sort of one of the cheesier things as brilliant uh, as Hot Fuzz. say that? <laughs> Hot, I love the killer. I know, but Hot Fuzz is perfect and everything, but I do think at the time, it, you know, people kind of count, you know, people uh, underestimated the killers, you know, because they were just like, oh yeah, this kind of thing. It's like, well, no, it's not all the same thing. Some of this stuff has real, has, it's got legs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, the the weird. I went. I got to go to the. I don't know if you've ever done this with a band. I got to go to the fl- floor of the New York Stock Exchange. They rang like oh, the damn. closing bell. Have you ever done that? I have not. I think it's like maybe like sounds a, scary. It sounds like it happens a lot now because they were like, "Well, Motley Crue was here this morning." I oh, guess yeah. it's like a thing. Like I don't yeah. know a lot about stocks and bonds, believe it or not. But I guess they have people <laughs> that ring the bell in the morning. But a lot of times it's like people from a company but sometimes they have celebrities it's like throwing the first pitch at a game exactly yeah, yeah i'm sure the social media manager for like nyse is like we need to get crew the crew in here to yeah. ring the bell wow so Weird. i had to go with them to that but then and then we went to the signing and these girls were like crying and freaking out. i was like how long have you listened like, this is my favorite bands and i'm like how long have you listened to Fallout? They're like two years i learned it. and i'm like wow. you like this is, it's just crazy, like, people still discovering stuff like that, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I don't know, I was talking to the Watson twins at that at Jenny's show the other night about ten, the 10th anniversary thing and how, you know, a portion of the crowd is people who, like, w- would have been to see you play the first time, or tried to at least, or been, or just missed being old enough to go see it the first time around. But then there's the other portion of people who just, like, are somehow new fans like where did they come from just internet weird yeah. trail that led them there in recent years or you know watson twin sorry watson twins i don't remember which one of you was saying this but it's like some of them are kids of hipster parents who listened to rabbit fur coat when they were you know littler kids yeah. you know what i mean when yeah. they were like seven and eight years old or something like that and or now younger siblings also Right, of, yeah, right. Yeah, it's interesting, though. I mean, I feel like I never really thought, I always just thought, like, oh, how are the young people finding it? They're finding it through the internet. It's like, no, sometimes that's just, like, Ezra from Vampire Weekend, his dad played the specials around the house, so you're like, okay, well, yeah, that's right. how that happens. That makes sense. I saw recently at FYF, I saw Saves the Day play Stay What You Are. Uh-huh. Like, I love Saves the Day. Me I'm, too. I am a huge fan. In Reverie is one of my favorite records of all time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was so funny. We got into FYF a little bit late because of traffic and my friend and I were like nearing the time they were going to perform and I started sprinting (laughs) and I'm like not a runner at all. And I was thinking like, I can't believe I'm sprinting to see a band. Like it takes a lot to make me move fast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was really amazing. Yeah. I've been, I've done like a, I do like a side meditation podcast with Chris and oh, he's like one no of my way. favorite people. Yeah, I'll send you some of them. Okay. He's like one of my favorite people to interview. Did you say meditation? Yeah. So you and he lead people Yeah, well, we've done a couple podcasts here where we just end up talking about it for like an hour anyways. Uh-huh. And then we did this side project, like a side podcast. I have a couple side podcasts. It's super lucrative. Really? <laughs> no, it's not oh. at all. But it's like, it's fun to do. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but yeah, he's like super deep into a lot of that stuff. Interesting. And I felt like they didn't do a lot of... Like that album stuff and like older stuff for a while, and now they like have really embraced it. And it's, those records really stand up. Yeah. Well, it was cool to see because that record I think is about 15 years old. Stay what you are in Reverie. Stay what you are. Okay. 
And it was cool to see because, like, Chris's voice has improved so much since they recorded the record. And also the band he has playing with him were just such great musicians that, yeah. it, like, it brought the record to life in this way that was just was just amazing. Yeah, that was a weird era, too, because before that, I think, yeah, pretty much before that record, he wasn't playing guitar. I mean, he was writing a lot, oh, a lot, but he was, like, when they saw them, when they started out, the first two tour albums, he was just singing. Mm, I um, didn't know that. Yeah. I, I saw them like yeah like on their first couple to, I was we're like the same age me and Chris so it's like a long time ago. Got it. Um, do you still listen to a lot of that stuff kind of from that era? Well, I I have had In Reverie as the sole CD in my car for like okay. seven or eight years, and it was funny because I met Rob Schnaff. Is that how you pronounce mm-hmm. his name? Who produced that record? <laughs> and I'm just like a huge fan of him as a producer, and I was like. Yeah, you know, I love that record. I've had it in my car for like years and years. And he's like, oh, cool. You're the one person who bought the record. <laughs> like he was like making a joke about it. I was like, you don't understand. That's like a beloved album. Like I think particularly a lot of musicians were really drawn to just like the complexity of the chords and like how beautiful the soundscape was. It was so out of left field for them. Yeah. P.S. File under producers to maybe yeah. try and work oh, with someday man. for little Greta. Oh, I yeah. really liked Rob. I mean, he's worked on so many awesome records oh, and yeah. such a great dude. Does he still have the big beard? Yes. Nice. Yeah, I really liked him immediately. <laughs> I gave In Reverie a really bad review when it came out. Um, and then I talked about it a lot. But yeah, I, I talked through it. And I actually like it now. There's something for me about the production of it. I felt like Chris's voice sounded different. And it sort of like makes sense now. But I think at the time I just wanted like more of like a hardcore. Yeah. I don't Anyone know. Everyone wants things to, you know, they want they want a band to stay what they are. Yes. Like. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, Jenny, as a side note, I just listened to your interview with uh-uh. Bill, Billy Corgan and Marilyn Manson. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, I've heard about this story. Oh, jeez. Um, what was that it's like? It's listenable for, it's still, you yeah, can still listen to it? It is, but like, I feel nice. like if someone asked Damn. me to do that, I would like leave the country and freak out. I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't like. Was that nerve-wracking, or are you just, like, used to doing that kind of stuff, or it's no big deal? Um, it's a little nerve-wracking. I mean, basically, yeah, so Sirius XM does these town hall-type conversations with people where there's an audience of fans who submit questions ahead of time, and then we choose the best questions, and then there's a moderator who just oversees the conversation and asks follow-up questions and, or, you know, I organize the order of the listeners' questions, that sort of thing. And it's both easier and more difficult than doing an interview where I've written all the questions because um, there's more pressure there, obviously, to make the conversation great. But with the, this kind of an environment, it's like if the, you know, if the interview subject doesn't give an answer, doesn't give a good answer and they're it's just like, well, we no, we have to, we have to make <laughs> you have to do better than that. This is one of the questions we've selected, right? Um, so I guess that's maybe the stressful aspect. But I have, uh, I have like known Manson for so we did, folks at home, we did uh, <laughs> last year we did one with Marilyn Manson and Billy Corgan because they were touring together, and um, interestingly, they hadn't spoken for like twenty years or something um, because. Billy Corgan had written a letter to Manson when they were back when they were friends when Manson was seeing or like even engaged to Rose McGowan and apparently Corgan had written his friend Marilyn a letter like an you know not an email uh, that said uh, you know this lady is bad news man <laughs> and Manson like you can't do that you can't like 
write your bro a letter and say that his girlfriend sucks. I mean, you can. It's an honest thing to do. But Manson was like, I just had to stop talking to him after that. So they didn't talk for many years, but they patched things up like wonderfully and they love each other. And their repartee, as you heard, was kind of hilarious, although, you know, a little ridiculous, but in a good way. You want those guys to be ridiculous. Yeah. But I've, I've met and like hung out with Manson a bunch over the years, so I knew that, he, that would be easy because I know what he's like and he's wonderful. And um, yeah, and Corgan, you know, has lots of interesting things to say, so it's easy to push that button. Yeah. Manson's cool. Yeah. Manson's awesome. He's one of my favorites ever. Yeah. Such he a bright like the dude. He's arc light a few times. Really? Yeah, he's he's like so an, weird. It's an interesting sighting, just like, you know, at the popcorn stand. <laughs> we ended up having dinner afterwards, some like really fancy like place in Chicago that I, I sort of like crashed their, their fancy dinner where it's like multiple courses with eight waiters attending to us and a different nice. wine to sip for each weird. It's like, this is an air, this is a, a weird bubble thing. You pop it, you eat what's inside, then you drink this wine. It's a tasting experience. Anyway, Manson had like hilarious shit to say about all, all sorts of stuff that was going on, like that the, the wine tasted like, you know, like poo. And he, he's very like sophomoric, but in a way that I find delightful. He was at that point very into talking about Mr. Robot and just wanted to go back to the hotel and. Two drugs and watch Mr. Robot. Yeah. Have you guys been watching Mr. Robot? No. I, Sarah I hear it's wonderful. Sort of got me into it, but I'm real behind. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I don't... Greta's mentioned my Seinfeld thing. There is hardly anything else I watch. Really? Law and Order. Yeah. Seinfeld. Catfish. Like Seinfeld <laughs> is one of those things where it's like, the deeper you go, the more there is. It's like a never-ending well of comic brilliance, right? So you just keep like... Yeah. Enriching your Well, experience. someone explained it to me because I, like, they were like most comedy shows have like one, like an A story and then like a B story, but Seinfeld has like three, like the reason why it's so, f- there's like three different things going on and then they all time to get there, like the way, they like diagrammed it for me and they're like, this is why the show's so amazing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It, yeah. I think that's part of it. it. Last night I saw an episode, The Comeback, which is mo- one of the most famous Seinfeld episodes because it's got the jerk store thing in it where right. George has a comeback at a meeting and he travels all the way across the country to deliver it. And, but that episode also had just like, like I can't even remember. That's That'll happen where you're just like, what what were the other story? But it, the episode starts and you're like, oh yeah, this is the one where Elaine is put in charge of the <laughs> of the Peterman catalog because he goes to Burma slash Myanmar and, <laughs> and she thinks she can run the catalog, but she actually creates the Urban Sombrero, which is like, you're like, how is the Urban, which the Urban Sombrero thing is hilarious. And that's like, how are those both? And how is Jerk Store and Urban Sombrero in the same episode or whatever? Right. And it's like, there's always a couple of things where you're like, that would most TV shows, most sitcoms would wouldn't even be able to get one of these one thing that hilarious as a storyline into an episode. But I could go on. <laughs> you should have that's, a Seinfeld podcast. I was just about to say yeah. that's that should you, should exist. you really should. People have like all kinds of. There's all kinds of stuff like that. There's got to be myriad. There's I was probably, actually just last night having a stoned brainstorm where I was like thinking about Seinfeld 2000, the popular Twitter. Uh, entity and thinking like oh, what about a seinfeld 420 where it's just like <laughs> ideas for seinfeld storylines involving weed uh-huh. which that if that good. doesn't exist i might do that but you should locking it down now <laughs> at yeah, seinfeld right. 420 on twitter don't anyone take it or save yeah, it for me in a, but yeah we can use this in court <laughs> i think articulated it publicly yeah. on this date <laughs> yeah that's how it works right i think so yeah uh 
Greta, how long have you lived in Los Angeles? Uh, four years. Four years. On this trip, I also tried living there in 2009 and was the loneliest I've ever been. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was sort of different this time around? Well, this time I moved there when I when I I had moved in with my now ex boyfriend. So okay. just kind of having that like support system in place was really great, and I had so many friends there this time, and also I just felt more. Um, I felt more like musically in the place I wanted to be. And I think when you're sort of making what you want to be making, you naturally are drawn to the right people and the right circumstances to help sort of continue inspire, to continue inspiring that experience. So you were in Chicago originally? Yeah, I grew up in Chicago. And then when my first band broke up when I was 20, I moved to L.A. for a year. And then I wound up moving back to Chicago for a few years and coming back to L.A. Okay. Yeah. The the shuffle. Is that like a... country shuffle. I know it. Is I mean that must be Chicago and LA must be like so, th- they're very different places. I mean, do you miss anything about Chicago? Yeah, I'm always so comforted when I go back at just like how reliably nice everyone is. Yeah, I mean, LA people are can be very nice too, but there's just something about like the Midwestern vibe where people are so reliable they always show up on time like i i sort of joke with my la friends i'm like okay tell me your real set time because i always get there early you know everybody always pads they're like oh we play at 10 but they actually play at 11 30 right there's just something very comforting about the like reliability of midwesterners also just the city of chicago so beautiful like i'm always really impressed by the lake and how clean it is in the parks it's just gorgeous but you know la is so exciting it's just like it's like a madhouse like it's just like a wild carnival where there's like no matter how weird your taste is you can find your community there yeah totally and jenny you sort of live in la still sort of yeah i'm i'm uh i'm a snowbird she winters oh my god la LA is my del boca vista to use the seinfeld uh, (laughs) analogy um yeah i go there for the winter i have for several years it's the best thing i've ever really other than quitting cigarettes figuring out how to do la for the winter two best things i've ever come up with for myself I never even really thought about doing that. Think about it now. Yeah, start the, start the <laughs> you, wheels turning. You can podcast anywhere. I guess that's yeah. true. I mean, I'm really fortunate because Sirius XM has, you know, studios all over the place, including right. L.A., and so they are f- fine with me broadcasting from there, and other miscellaneous things I do are yeah, free-floating as well, so... It's um, it's really freaking awesome, and I do feel like a lot more people have start have either started doing that or just migrated completely to L.A. since since I mean, you know, one friend of mine who was asking me a couple of years in Norway, so what do you do again? How do you? And then was like, I think I'm gonna, and then just moved there. Morgan, oh yeah, Liebes, yeah, yeah, like just you know, it's like you know what? Instead of forget the back and forth, just moving out there. Um, which I would live in L.A. I just. I don't know. I could live with I could live without L.A., but I couldn't live without New York, you know, so I, I'm glad that I have a place here that I can, you know, keep and come back to every year and um, and then go out there and bask in the glory. Man. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. Well, it's awesome because everyone has dogs in L.A. as well. I yeah. mean, not that dogs are better than people, but just a little at least. Right. <laughs> Um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, I have some friends who are moving from LA to New York, and I was like, "What?" Like it? Like, <laughs> I was like, "No, everyone's going the other way." You know, know. that, right? Like, this well, that's is like so when weird. I first started doing it, I was like, you know, and then you know, in the years to come, I'll swap, 
I'll swap with people. Like I'll rent their LA place. I'll stay in their LA place. They they can stay in my New York place. No money has to change hands. And then I realized like no one wants to come to New York in the winter. And yeah. somebody made the analogy that it's like saying, "Hey, let's let's trade last names. You're Smith. I'm Hitler." Oh God. <laughs> like never mind. <laughs> I mean, uh, so musically you have this- Greta Hitler. <laughs> Just kidding. I am I am German. <laughs> you have this uh the Katie Goodman um can you talk about sort of how that came together a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so um my friend Katie Goodman who plays in Lacera and was also in Vivian Girls. She and I made a record called Take It It's Yours and it's a covers record and it's all sort of like reimaginations of our favorite punk and hardcore songs. And it was like a totally spontaneous record. She and I were learning Misfits songs in my backyard one day, and we were singing Harmony on Where Eagles Dare, the, and I Ain't No Goddamn Son of a Bitch. And it was funny because I have this like old rocker neighbor who's a total shredder. He'll shred every day for like 10 minutes. Like I jokingly call it, give us this day our daily shred. And uh, he was just like, as we were singing, I just heard him yell over the fence. He's like, Sounds beautiful, ladies. <laughs> and uh, Katie and I were like, something about the whole day. We were like, maybe we should like record this. Wouldn't that be yeah. kind of fun? And so we went into our friends. Well, first we went to my rehearsal space and tried tracking it ourselves. And then we were like, eh, we don't want to deal with all this shit. Let's just go to our friend's studio. And we played everything on it. So like Katie played bass and some vibraphone. And then I played drums, guitars, keys. Um, and yeah, it was just sort of like... We made a list of 20 songs that we could possibly cover, and we just went one by one, like whichever one excited us the most. And then all of a sudden there was a record, and then Polyvinyl offered to put it out, and it's printed on vinyl. And somehow we accidentally charted on the Billboard Americana charts, which I'm like, what? Americana and folk charts? I mean, we were on a few of the charts, but that one, Katie and I were both like, wait, what? You know what I'm just remembering, though, as you're telling the story is that when I visited over the summer oh, and stayed yeah. at your place to check it out, that's when you guys started oh, yeah, yeah. playing those songs. Yeah, we had to, hey. we recorded like two covers that I engineered at my rehearsal space. And then I think at some point, Katie was like, maybe we need a better studio than your little, you know, Pro Tools set up on your, I had like an Apollo or something. And uh, yeah, but that's I, that's what I remember you heard. What were some of the uh, Misfits? What were some of the other um, Misfits, songs Gun Club, Billy Idol, uh, The Replacements? My favorite covers are Buzzcocks, Ever Fallen in Love, um, Over the Edge by Wipers, and Sex Beat, Gun Club. Those are my favorite ones on the record. Nice. Did you and Katie kind of have similar tastes, or were you like turning each other on to different stuff? Like, have you heard this song? She definitely was turning me on to more than I. Like, she has heard everything. Yeah, she's I, got a lot of punk roots. Yeah, okay. I feel like she was like taking me through punk one hundred and one or something, <laughs> which was really fun. But then I was sort of more of the. I I would have like an idea about how to reharmonize the chord progression to like make it feel really different. Like, I feel like I was really turned on by the musical experimentation aspect of doing that. Some of the songs I was almost like, okay, only play it for me once, you know, which I remember hearing, I haven't heard this, but the guy from the Dirty Projectors recorded from memory a covers record of a Black Flag album, but he didn't actually, like, reference it. He just recorded what he remembered from it. Really? Yeah, I haven't heard it yet. I shouldn't, I probably shouldn't talk about it until I know more details, but I sort of did the same thing. There were a few of those songs that I didn't know that well, like Wipers and Gun Club, and we listened to it once or twice, and I was like, all right, let's lay it down. You know, it was just sort of like taking the the essence of something like the laying it down. Let's just lay it down, then we can play it at the gig, man. <laughs> Have you heard that David Paho Misfits thing? 
he did this record. It, it's like kind of obscure, but I'm, I think it might be on Spotify, but it's called Scream With Me. Mm. And I guess the story is, I interviewed him about it once. He was like at a friend's house and they had like a four track or just like a tape recorder. And he just like did acoustic versions of like six or seven Misfit songs. And then it ended up coming out, like he released it and it came out on vinyl and stuff. It's really, but like those songs, like they're so dark. Like when you hear them like stripped down, like the lyrics are so there's like totally different like resonance i guess yeah well it's interesting because they are so dark lyrically but then also musically they're like modeled after 60s girl group songs they're all totally. these like one four five progressions all that sort of like demonic doo-wop was just like basically supreme songs in hell yeah <laughs> yeah i mean the the buzzcocks cover that they do it's like super mazzy star kind of vibe um which like is so fitting for when you just think about like that song is just repeating ever fallen in love with someone you shouldn't have fallen in love with, which is just like such a beautifully phrased, relatable jam. Yeah, so I like so. this. Do you know that Mark Koslick uh, oh, yeah. ACDC Modest- covers? Oh, is it, you're thinking the Modest Mouse <laughs> covers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, He's great Modest with that. He's great one. with a cover. I've never heard the ACDC one. He though. did, a, I think actually on both an EP and a full length album under his own name, the EP is... All almost all ACDC covers the full length I think has like a mix of stuff it's called Rock and Roll Singer and it's like you know ACDC you think of as being so just kind of you don't think of it as being emotional music or right. like heartbreaking or anything but um, you know he up to my neck in you for instance it's like he he has a way of it's like the song starts like up to my neck in trouble, up to my neck in strife, up to my neck in misery for most of my life. And you just don't really think about like when you think about the way that ACDC deliver something like that, the pathos is completely erased from it in a way. And then he does this sort of just like beautiful rendition where you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> Misfits um, are playing Chicago this weekend. Are they? Yeah, Riot Fest. Ooh, Yeah. Are you going to Riot Fest? I am not going this year. But are you going to join Raya Fest? <laughs> <laughs> no, nice. definitely not. But nice. that sounds. I, I yeah, I think I'd rather do Riot Fest. Raya Fest, I like that. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I, I have some friends on Raya. I uh, for those who don't know, Raya is a dating app for in quotes, professionals in the creative arts. Yeah. The first rule of Raya is you're not supposed to talk about Raya. Okay, never mind. So I'm not supposed to say that last night I saw Russell Simmons on Raya. <laughs> not Russell Simmons, the John Spencer Blues Explosion. No, at Uncle Rush, you guys. And I was faced with the question of, what do I do here? I'm not really not supposed to. I'm probably going to be kicked off Raya for this, so <laughs> keep this on the down low. Because if you do a screenshot at first, you don't realize, and then they're like, no, don't privacy so and then you do another one because you're stoned and by accident are like sweet and then they're like this that's your second strike how, but um but yeah you- i was like do you do i say you know in the parlance of your average dating app swipe right swipe left it's a little different than that but i'm like this is russell simmons right i mean you know not like exact you know like when i'm just like honed in on my most precise type <laughs> it's a right. different story but i'm like i'm not gonna swipe left whatever the bad one is on Russell Simmons, because just because I just want to give the universe a thumbs up on him, you know what right, I mean? Where yeah, I'm just right. like thumbs up, universe. Yes, I say yes <laughs> to Russell Simmons. But then it's weird. You're like, what's the context for that? Th- for that? But there's no real danger of like him giving me the thumbs up. 
Oh, I you guess. never know. Yeah, you, you never, never know. know, Jenny. You never know. Right Uncle now. Rush, dude. He might be stalking you right now. Trying Look to find me Martin. up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Sorry, Raya. Sorry, Raya. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just assumed it was all like models and stuff who wouldn't want to go out with me anyway. So I was like, I'll just. Well, don't underestimate yourself, but yeah. also whatever, models. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, true. I was thinking about like a modern allegory where people are forced to stay frozen forever in the position of their profile photo. Oh, man. Only because this will never transfer to the air. But all the ones I've seen are like women like doing this kind of thing. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be the your classic Varga girl pose. Yeah. But <laughs> pretending that that happens in real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, have you been to Riot? Have you guys been to Riot Fest before? I actually haven't. Yeah. Yeah, I have not. It's pretty fun. Seems like it's getting better. It's getting pretty big. Yeah. Are you big festival people in general? Like, do you go? I saw you obviously at Bonnaroo. We were, we were working, right? So, yeah. No, I only really go if I'm working. Yeah. I always aspire to go to the ones that I'm just like, what? That's awesome. And then I realize that since my job sends me to several festivals a year, that I don't really want to use vacation days to go to another festival. Yeah. I saw Zach Galifianakis do this like amazing bit where he was talking about his Italian family. He's like, and my grandmother, she's from a Lollapalooza, and my grandfather is from a bamboozle. Just <laughs> like saying all the festival names. It was so good. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah they do have some pretty pretty weird names. Yeah. I agree. Bonnaroo. <laughs> what Greta, what's your sort of like day to day life like in LA? Like are you just you just wake up and write music or what's Usually, your Usually, yeah. I mean I I wake up and make coffee and usually read in the morning. Like, I can tell you what her day to day routine yeah, actually, is. What is my- <laughs> Jenny, what's Greta's day to day routine? Greta rises like? fairly early compared okay. to a sloth like me. <laughs> and then she makes some bulletproof coffee for herself. Really? Which is a phenomena in so LA more so than here. But Butter and like MCT oil or like. I don't do MCT oil. Okay. Yeah, like a Jonah, he knows. He knows what bulletproof. A little bit of butter. So Puts you- it in the blender. Okay. Mm-hmm. Quick, very quick. Yep. Uh, and then she uh, works on music in the morning for a little while in her room on the mm-hmm. keyboard. Uh, and then she'll usually go do some Pilates or something. Yeah, the, this is what LA people do. And okay. then she goes to the rehearsal space and works on music there more loudly. Yeah, I have like an actual <laughs> rehearsal space with drum sets and PA and my real piano. Okay, and, and it's near where you live, so you can yeah. try That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, it's like less than two miles away. Nice. Sometimes she takes a, sets a desk up in the backyard and works out there. Backyard, yeah. You have yeah. a backyard, all right. Oh, yeah, the yard is awesome. Front, front and backyard, which wow. is a big luxury for Los Angeles. My yeah. cat loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Yeah, I don't know. And then I feel like at night I usually see friends. And sometimes, I, I would say, like, on the best weeks, a lot of creative work is cross-mingled with socializing, where it's just like, oh, we're just hanging out and jamming and having a drink, and I happen to write a song idea. So then the next morning when I wake up, I'll work on something that comes from that. But yeah, and then I'm on tour a fair amount. I guess I've been home about, other than like one or two things a month, you know, like doing pitch work with Kevin or like doing these shows with Jessica. I've pretty much been home for the last seven or eight months because I finished the record with Chris Cody earlier this year and then it now comes out in October and I'll start touring. This is for the new Springtime Carnivore record. Okay, cool. But yeah, so I'm about to be in like tour mode. Is that is that exciting or is that sort of like... Don't, like, because I feel like that kind of stuff. I'm in a band too, and whenever we go into our band called, it's called Guns United Nations. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's called Guns and Roses. <laughs> I wish that would be way better. But yeah, I feel like it's always exciting, and then you're always like, I don't want to go. 
Oh, really? Sort of. I just feel like I mean, you miss all the comfort, sort of. Like, I feel like I, wherever I am, I feel like I wish I was in the other place. Oh, interesting. Like, I feel like whenever I'm home, I'm Get like, in oh, the present a- moment, I know, Jonah. I know. Come on. I'm working on it. It's not easy for me. That meditation podcast. Dude, yeah. I know. Here now. Podcast, I know. heal Dude. thyself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are you excited to go? Go back on the road, or you're like, I'm gonna miss like re- drinking my bulletproof coffee. Oh in my man, yard. I bring a portable barista setup. Really, I bring a little suitcase that I call the kitchen, and I bring like my blend tag and a pour over and coffee, and like, yeah, there okay. are a few creature comforts that I like to have. Yeah, that that's makes good. Everything though. better. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I sort of feel at home everywhere. Like I have this nice sense of just feeling like hey, any town's kind of my backyard. I know a few places here. Yeah. Um, but I I usually don't get excited for a tour until we actually get in the van to drive to the first show. Just because for me, there's always so much like so much logistical kind of preparation that nobody wants to think about. You know, like getting the t-shirts and the vinyl and prepping the band and rehearsing and rehearsing and like I don't know. There's all this stuff that will kind of like fill up my headspace and then once we finally get in the van and are on tour then it feels like vacation but th- she's doing a tour since the covers thing came out and la sarah has an album from earlier this year so springtime carnivore and la sarah are touring together so that then they can also do a set of the covers as well together and play with each other as needed so yeah, yeah. um i would imagine that because katie and greta are like total besties it's adorable so I feel like that's got to be this has got to be a tour you're looking forward to more oh, than average, yeah. right? Because oh, it's just yeah, like yeah. fun time with Katie. Yeah, I mean this feels like like highway robbery, like the, to be able to like go on tour. and Todd, hilarious yeah, to Todd, be, like in a van with your best buds <laughs> for a month and like kind of call it work. You know, I'm saying work in quotes, radio. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely really excited for it. That's awesome. I have a couple blender related questions. Oh yeah. Um, well, first of all, bulletproof coffee. Yeah. Do you feel like with the butter, I mean, like the thought is that it, sorry, this is just really fascinating to me. I'm, I'm sorry if this is like a little bit of a non sequitur, but it's supposed to spread out the caffeine more evenly so you don't crash as much. Yes. Is that the logic? Yes. Do you I, feel that way? You know, I think I, I like the taste more. Like yeah. I just, I, I don't really eat dairy other than butter. It, I don't know how much you want to go into allergens and dairy conversation sure, sure. on your, yeah. on your podcast. But basically, if you're allergic to dairy, generally, if you're lactose intolerant, you can usually still have a little bit of butter because it's a hundred percent protein. Like there's, I forget why. There's some reason okay. I can have butter and nothing that. else, basically. But uh, yeah, I just like I like the flavor. Like I like it. I don't use cream and coffee, so I just like put a little bit of butter in and blend it up. Okay. It's so tasty. But yeah, yeah, I guess there's some, the theory, and our good friend uh, Jason Bozell um, could elaborate on this with more s- scientific detail because he's a bulletproof, like, sort of preacher. Okay. Um, but something to do with the high fat content actually in this like good fats or whatever and because you specifically you can't just go get like crappy margarine you know it's got to be like grass-fed really nice butter um but something to do with like you know it's pure fat and the high fat content that is part of what makes you metabolize the caffeine slower more throughout the day but also i think there's some science to those kinds of fats also being good for your brain in a way right, so well, it's all about like a clarity of brain like getting brain juice or something yeah. and it's also supposed to um keep your like basically when you eat fat first thing in the morning it tells your body that you're in 
you're in a state of abundance, like you're not in a yeah, you know, don't in panic. starvation yeah, mode. Don't, yeah, don't panic, body. Chill out. We got like we got this covered. <laughs> so definitely if I'm if I don't have a bulletproof coffee in the morning, I'll just like eat an avocado for breakfast or something. Okay. But you can tell the difference if you had just like a regular coffee or I, like honestly I don't tell I can't tell that much of a difference. Like so long as you're having good coffee, like I had a you know, a nice mm. cup of coffee down the street and I still I feel great. Yeah, because okay. part of the bulletproof thing too beyond just coffee but is that a thing about mold right to like yeah. get too deep right exactly right. so you're supposed to get certain like single origin coffee so you, you know molds like ruin some foods for you right even if it doesn't seem moldy so i think that's part of it and and it's the larger diet and is a lot of similar principles because there's like a whole diet that goes with it. If you some people just do the coffee thing and get benefits from that. I tried to do it um, at at a certain point, and it's like if you do if if the smell of butter is something that doesn't appeal to you, like putting the cup of coffee to your nose. It's to me, I was just like, I can't get past this. It smells too buttery, and that's turning me off to my coffee that I love so very much. So yeah, yeah. I retreated. Katie also can't do it. Yeah, her stomach aches. Really? Yeah. I should try. I have a Vitamix. I usually make smoothies in it, mm-hmm. but I feel you totally... might shit your pants though when you first try it. Yeah, you might shit. Your that's pants. okay. I work from home, Wear so a that's fine. Yeah, yeah, because the fat, you know, right, it's just yeah. like. Oh, speaking of which, should I read the poem that was written on the porta potty? Please, okay. yes. So when uh, <laughs> when Jessica and when Jessica and I, oh man, I love this. My heart other, hurts already. When, when we were on tour the other day. We stopped at this rest stop in Vermont. Um, firstly, it was the strangest inside rest stop I've ever seen. There was a huge taxidermy deer with a handwritten sign next to it that said Bob. And it was like lording over a video VHS rental section. We're just like in rural Vermont. Anyway, the only bathroom they have is a porta potty. Scrawled on the inside is this beautiful poem. Here you sit, brokenhearted, came to shit and only farted. Later took a chance, tried to fart, shit my pants. But pants is spelled P A N C E. <laughs> pants. Yeah. <sighs> that must have taken that person a long time to write. It's so it's bittersweet. Scrawled. It's so bittersweet. Oh, yeah. yeah. Someone spent a long time in a porta potty, much longer than anyone should, yes. to carve this into the wall. Yeah. And did they spell pants that way on purpose to be ironic? and Or did they get that far and then just lose it on the last word also the first like the narrator changes first you're speaking to another party and then you put it in the first person yeah. later took a chance anyway <laughs> it's about risk taking it is yeah, I think all... we could learn a lot from that <laughs> it's all about risk taking. it's about bulletproof coffee before you're used to it and what it might do to your pants <laughs> <laughs> take a pants on me <laughs> oh yeah that's good do you so do you feel like as in like you are more do you feel like you guys eat pretty healthy on the road like as opposed to maybe like when you were like 19 in a band or whatever Yeah well when I yeah when I was 19 often like before we were on a bus we were always in a van trying to keep up with buses which meant that we were driving like 10 hours overnight sometimes like they were just insane trips and so we truly were at the mercy of like eating whatever we could possibly find Now it's a different era. Like there's a whole foods in every city. Right. You know, it's like co-ops become the Mecca on tour. Although when we were in Portchester the other night, Greta tried to get coffee and there was like no cafe in Portchester. Oh, oh, yeah. They're like, you want you want to spread you want espresso? Espresso. Yeah. Go to the go to the pizza place. Like what? (laughs) Really? (laughs) 
Yeah, occasionally <laughs> there's still like deserts, but where's the whole food? <laughs> yeah, I thought I saw a mirage. <laughs> I need some lacroix. Yeah, we eat pretty well. Yeah, pretty well on tour. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I um, what about like when you're at home? Sorry, if this is like boring for you guys, but I'm just curious like about other people. I mean, do you guys do you make a lot of food or mm-hmm. do you go out a lot? Or I would say I cook at home 85 percent of the time. Yeah, Greta's a pretty healthy eater. She's the healthiest eater I know. Yeah, my I like grew up in one of those houses where my mom called fruit earth candy. Like, okay. Yeah, like you know, very healthy hippie house, and so I think because of that, I'm just like very finely attuned to how poor. I, shitty food will make me feel okay so what do you do you just buy a bunch of produce and yeah then a bunch sort of, of just... produce yeah um i mean how much do you want to know i mean sort of a lot it just it's, <laughs> it's sort of fascinating to me also living in new york because like you know whatever i'm in like a csa we have farmers markets here and stuff but i feel like in california it's so much more accessible mm, interesting yeah i mean i feel like i eat a lot of the same things like i make smoothies salads with like baba ganoush and roasted vegetables and omelets and stuff like that chicken sausage yeah a big favorite yeah, yeah. basically vegetables and a little protein gotcha some nuts what about you jenny it's kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah. I don't eat quite as healthy as Greta does because I definitely do enjoy dairy and my coffee and elsewhere all over my body. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, and I, you know, I can't cut out sugar entirely again because of coffee and my body. And, uh, but yeah, I, I try to eat as healthy as I can. You know, it's interesting mentioning sort of the bulletproof thing. Um, and being healthy, I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast sometimes. Okay. And he's very into bulletproof, but he he coughs a lot, and he's like, "I have to stop drinking this before we do these three hour podcasts." Oh, interesting, because like, it makes him phlegmy. Yeah, or it makes him super phlegmy. I mean, have you noticed that with like you having to like do stuff for serious and not wanting that to? Yeah, I don't. I don't have any. I don't have any major phlegm issues. No, uh, this, that's good. Uh, Stage of my life. It's just the it's just the loud farting that's a problem for yeah. me on the air. Yeah. Excuse me. Because you know Later legumes, man. I mean, I guess that is the one downside of eating healthy is that you're just like I am. You know, like yeah. I'm the fiber queen. I'm the fiber queen. It's just yeah. like I ate one too many Mary's gone crackers, <laughs> <laughs> seed crackers, oh, and now God. I'm just like, whoa. Excuse me. <laughs> It's true. It'll happen yeah. with those seed crackers, but Mary's they're gone. fucking delicious. Mary's going crazy. good. Mary went cookies now, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I didn't know that. She went ginger snaps. You know, Lucky Charms are gluten-free. I learned that from an advertisement last night. No <laughs> promo. And uh, I thought, th- I'm sure they've always been gluten-free, but they're not, that doesn't mean they're good. <laughs> no, yeah. right. For yeah. you. Right. <laughs> no gluten, though. <laughs> Just pure, sugar. disgusting, <laughs> sh- crusted, colored yeah. sugar. <laughs> um, Greta, how were the Hushdown anniversary shows? Oh, they were fun. Yeah. They were wacky. Yeah. I mean, like, it's always so wacky going back and playing these songs I wrote at such a young age and seeing people still, like, really have some connection to them. It's also funny because we were a band who, like, never intentionally tried to become a successful band like it was so pure it was just like some friends in my mom's basement hanging out and jamming and through the miracle of myspace era internet got signed and all of a sudden we were on this tour and i had never even really thought about that like i just never thought it was possible it was like a happy accident yeah 
So you guys were signed by John Janik? Yeah. Is that? Mm-hmm. What, what was that? Like, because I know John isn't there anymore, obviously. Right. But he was, like, at that era, like, obviously so involved and kind of signing all the bands. Yeah, Fuel by Ramen used to be in Florida. Right. And then when we were signed, they very quick, like, very soon after that moved into the Atlantic Records building and teamed up with them and moved to New York. Um, so our last record, Goodbye Blues, came out with, like, the Atlantic team involved, which was cool. Yeah, I used to do a lot of work there at 1290. They had that oh, studio yeah. there. Wow, crazy. It's pretty cool. But Wait, so how much hair did you used to have when you said you, you do have like a huge afro? Yes. Did I meet you at the grog shop? I Probably. Thought. I feel like we had to, I feel like we met, had to have met at some point. Interesting. Because you look really familiar. But yeah, yeah, big, really big afro. And why, why the decision to get rid of it? Um, it sort of, it sort of like made the decision for me a little bit. Really? Yeah. And then just, I don't know. It's, this is much more low maintenance too. Yeah, that's true. You, you can know, wear hats. I can wear hats. I didn't wear hats for so long. Caught sick of being mistaken for a stroke. Yeah, I, you know, I, I honestly I wish I was mistaken early for humor. a stroke. Yeah. I, I would get like more mistaken for like Malcolm Gladwell or like oh Napoleon Dynamite or like not anything nearly as cool as being like a you not Cedric Bixler. No, 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 never, <laughs> never mistaken for Cedric. Yeah, I got like I always get like really bad. Like, one girl told me she thought I looked like Paul Giamatti. I got, like, Will Oldham. <laughs> you don't look like either of those guys <laughs> no. at all. I, I always get told by kind of, like, whiny sorority girl types that I look like Kendra, the woman who was, like, married to <laughs> Hugh Hefner. Yeah, I know. And, but they always say, it like, you look like Kendra. <laughs> it's, like, always that kind of personality that tells me that. <laughs> you do look a little like Kendra. Oh, God. <laughs> We've had oh, this conversation. God. You look like Kendra. You look like Kendra. Yeah, I yeah, I don't I feel like unless you're going to say like you look like Brad Pitt or something, it's like no one wants People always tell me I look like Brad Pitt. Yeah. Not to make <laughs> a wild non sequitur, but do you think anyone calls Kendrick Lamar just Rick or like Ricky? I don't know. Hmm. Maybe. It's like Maybe. sup Rick. I hope so. Kind of doubt it, right? Do people call you Jen? They do, but Ooh. it's reserved for certain um who i don't know people who know me from like college maybe like relatives i feel like whenever i say your name somehow i just chant it i'm like lsq lsq yes <laughs> last time maybe well, i don't know if that was the last time we hung out no because we hung out at but one of the last times we hung out was at a party and you got tattooed i there. did i got tattooed at a party what was the yeah. tattoo this one the um anchor oh yeah thanks sailor jerry <laughs> thanks dana dynamite it's good Thanks, man. It's healed. It's all healed up. It's a little guy. So how do you guys know each other? Um, yeah, I guess I feel like we met through Jenny, I guess. Yeah. Through music stuff or Haim or some, some, someone like that. Yeah, I think it was through Jenny, but it's a wonder that we didn't hadn't met before. Yeah. So, so many mutual bros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's how, yeah, I think so. But it's funny because we were sitting next to each other at the very Murray Christmas screening premiere thing. And one of the first, like, names of Friends in Common that Jonah mentioned was Jared Gorbel. Oh, funny. Which was, like, my best friend. So he's like, oh, do you know, do you know, like, 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 uh, Jared Gorbel? And I was like, wait, you just said my closest (laughs) friend's name first. That's, I can't believe we don't know each other. No one knows that guy. Yeah, honorary title. <laughs> he doesn't even know himself. He doesn't even know himself. <laughs> honorary title. I mean, I think yeah, Jared did the podcast a while ago. Oh, sweet. Yeah, uh, with um, Blake. Yes, with Blake. 
Right after Jane, yeah, which is crazy. What are those guys up to? They are defunct, actually. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Splitsville. Okay. Um, but, you know, they'll be doing various separate things that I'm sure will be awesome. Yeah, totally. Um, so, Greta. Yes. Going on tour soon. Yes. Going uh, on tour. It starts October 7th. I'll be on tour for a month. Okay. And the record comes out? Well, the Springtime Carnivore record comes out October 7th. October 7th. The record I made with Katie, Take It, It's Yours, is out now. Is out now. Yeah. Okay. And Springtime Carnivore Tour all over U.S. Yeah. tour? Mm-hmm. Full U.S. Okay. Two shows in New York. No way. Baby's All Right and Mercury Lounge. Nice. Baby's All Right. Have you played there before? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it too. Yeah. Really fun. Good room. Actually, last time I played there, the power went off during my last song. No way. Yeah. I just like sang acapella in the dark. It was pretty wild. That is pretty wild. And then what else do you have just start figuring out the rest of the year? Yeah. I want to I want to go on tour with great bands. If yeah. anyone's listening, take me out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just kind of want to like, you know, keep touring and playing shows. And Do you sort of like the fact that you have um, like all these sort of different kind of musical outlets? You can do this thing and then this thing and not just one yeah. thing. I, I mean, I wonder if I'm doing what I in quotes should be doing. I don't know. I, I generally just like... My rule is to sort of follow my excitement and then these projects wind up feeling like really inspired and interesting to me. But yeah, I do feel lucky. You know, like Springtime Carnivore has been my main priority the last few years. Um, And then, you know, just a few other kind of occasional side things. This record with Katie was a joy. I think we'll probably make another one too, like a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, I think that would be so fun to just like do covers and especially it sounds like this record like not having a lot of pressure just kind of doing it is like not expecting it even to be a thing and then oh yeah i'm amazed that it's like printed on vinyl and out in the world now that's so cool yeah that is really cool um jenna anything else you got coming up you're doing like an interview with like tom york and someone else and the guy from gin blossoms the guy from gin blossoms at town hall (laughs) that'd be great right gin blossoms i love gin blossoms yeah don't i I did have my stephen jenkins uh experience at lollapalooza that was delightful where i'm a huge fan of jenny he's a turns out stephen jenkins is a fan of mine because i went up to him he came in at bonnaroo for an interview that my colleague did and i i i I thought about about just being like having a fan or just was like what's up sweet to meet you dude who's made great tunes but i didn't do it because i try not to do that but then the thing happened where during the republican national convention third eye blind you know accepted a gig playing at some rnc related event and then stephen jenkins just like took every opportunity to like fuck with the crowd and talked about his gay brother and you know just all sorts of stuff and it you know as these things do nowadays it was like everywhere in the news and and so then at Lollapalooza he popped back up and I just saw him walking past our our like broadcast zone and I was like I gotta go over and be like dude that was awesome plus hi Stephen Jenkins you're awesome as well and I went over and I was like hey um I'm Jenny Ellisque from Thing and he was like you're Jenny Ellisque I listen to you every day. And then he like tweeted about it later. Really? Yeah. yeah, he was just like such a joy to have met Jenny Ellisque who's who I've discovered so much new music through. Yeah, now we're bros, and I call him Fanny. That's his secret nickname. Nice. P-H-A-N-N-Y. Oh, Fanny. No, I'm just making that up. But that should be his nickname. <laughs> it should be. How many Steve fans do you know? Oh, yeah. Steve fans. That Steph is true. Do, 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 um, do, do, I like, recently do, learned that record do, front do, to back. Do, do. 
And it's so the third eye blind record. Yeah, sometimes when I really like a record, I'll like look at it on the piano so I can just see like what the melody shapes look like and like what the chord progressions are. What a great record! Yeah, I've been emailing with the singer for the Jim Blossoms, Robin. Okay, I love the Jim Blossoms too. Yeah, they're one of the most underestimated bands. You know, a lot of people a lot of people have heard about how supposedly if you take Ambien, you might do things you forget the next day. And when I used to take Ambien, that I usually would just like buy stuff on the internet that I wouldn't normally have bought, and no greater example than the Gin Blossoms' greatest hits on iTunes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because really, just like, you know, they have some great tunes, but you don't need the entire greatest hits. Yeah. You just really need those or four songs. <laughs> I got pretty deep into their mythology. What's um, their mythology? Do we have time for their mythology? Uh, yeah, I can give you a quick mythology okay. lesson yeah. in them. Well, so they formed and they had this. Um, guitar player who wrote hey jealousy and um till i hear from you till i hear from you god what a tune and he was like a really bad alcoholic i guess and he ended up this whole thing where like there's all this sort of back and forth but basically he got kicked out of the band like they basically seems like they had to kick him out right before they sort of blew up because he was like in such a bad shape. Yeah, yeah and i guess they and then he ended up killing himself oh no and <laughs> so and he was like super young and so like that's like this whole part of the story where like they like he wrote like their, their best songs, songs yeah, yeah. Wow. and so like they still play these songs obviously and like but this guy's like this kind of dark part of their career like it came out of that and they were talking about doing a documentary on him and all this stuff and they still bring him up because sort of i mean his family must get that money right well, I think according to something that I read, like he actually like sold his publishing, like sort of like oh, right before this happened, cool. like Le- yeah, like I think Leak. He, I think it was like a really really bad scene, and like he, you know like he got a gold record and then he was happy and they smashed it and then like all this crazy stuff. Did he write Allison Road? I think I don't think so. I think those were the two big songs that he wrote. Okay, but he was in the band. If you go on YouTube, I hate jealousy. I mean, yeah. what a what a freaking tune. And then like you listen to those songs, and it's like especially like to hear from you, like um... <sighs> that end part of "Till I Hear It From You" when it's like got the backing vocals that you know won't take this. You know what I'm talking about? Wait, maybe it's not. Till think... I hear it from you. I'm actually thinking of um wait not until I hear it from you. I'm thinking of uh he didn't he didn't write that he wrote Hey Jealousy and um not Allison Road. No. Like what's that song like I got the greatest hits in my cloud from that oh, ambient yeah. night you want me to uh It's like song like I know what you did or what is it? It's like mm, should we look it up? Yes, cuz this is going to drive me crazy. But the the last line is like I the lights I drive by your boyfriend's house. I watch the lights go out. Boyfriend's over, I watch the light go out. Ding, 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 ding. You might have a closer relationship with this particular tune than I. Because I, I listened to the song after reading the story and I like got super deep into like depression. What it meant. And like the guy was like, <laughs> this guy really probably, like the, there's an interview in like The Stranger or something where they're like, this guy was really probably did this. Like he was so depressed about mm. all this stuff. Oh, man, it's such a good song. I can't believe I'm spacing on it. Um, found out about you. Oh, right. Yeah. Damn, that is a fucking great song. Yes, that is a great song. Yeah, that is a great song. Yes. Found out about you. They're like as good as early Beatles songs. They're so great. Yeah. They're yeah. like pop perfection. Yeah. And I watch, like, I'll even watch, like, recent performances, like, they're at Epcot, whatever. Like, I'll still watch Epcot it. Epcot Center? Yeah, I feel cool. like. Um, but it's still, like, it's, it sounds the same. Yeah. Like, it's. Um, I mean, Goo Goo Dolls is in that category, too, where it's just like, 
you can't really step to that. Like some yeah. of those songs are just so good. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So let's hopefully some people listening to this will go back and revisit some of that stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Hopefully someday I get to moderate an interview between John Resnick of the Goo Goo Dolls and and uh, and uh, yeah. I'm surprised there isn't a TV show where a spirit channeler channels the ghost of musicians and then they are interviewed. I remember exist? when I was... I don't think so. That's a good idea. I mean, I, it's so legally I, questionable. I, I remember <laughs> reading, like, Guitar World growing up. And I remember at one point, like, they had they would, like, base, like, a whole cover story on, like, uh, like a five-second interview with Jimi Hendrix we found. And there was one where they, like, tried to do a seance and interview Jimi Hendrix's ghost. And that was, like, the cover story. Like, I think they were like, we need another angle on Jimi Hendrix. We have to put him on the cover every year somehow. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So. So it could, could be good. It could be good. Could be good. <laughs> By the way, Jenny Jenny Elskew has so many phrases that she doesn't get to say on the normal radio. Oh, yeah, couple yeah. go. One couple of them go. is like, it could be good or it could be bad. And it's like, couple go. Couple bad. bad. Couple real bad. Couple real bad. You're never, you never able to sneak that on? I don't, you know, because I don't want to confuse people in the 30 seconds I've got couple to go. say something. Something's cool, but good. All the things cool, but We made up a lot of songs when we lived together. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Barfing all over the world is one of our songs. I think that's a good sign of like a successful roommate situation is you come out with this like inside inside joke collection of greatest hits. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Will we ever see the... Um... Barfing all over the world. Well, I've successfully spread the Punisher theme song oh, yeah. to oh, some yeah. friends here. You know, Punisher is like someone who punishes you. Yes. Like at a party, like a... Jenny describes it as anyone who makes you feel like your leg is in a bear trap. <laughs> yeah, when you're trying to send signals to your friend across the room like, help, help, help. <laughs> um, you're being punished. And Greta and I wrote a song called... Who will the Punisher be tonight? Who will the Punisher be tonight? Who, Who will, will the, the Punisher, Punisher be? <laughs> yeah. And it's nice because if you're at a party and you feel like you're about to be punished, you can just hum the melody. Yeah. And, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost just like a warning, like, hey, if someone punishes me, um, you you save me now. <laughs> that's a good, yeah, that's great to have that code. Who will the Punisher be tonight? Yeah. <laughs> I also, I also in the, in the spirit of that, wrote one on my own without Greta uh, called... Um, <laughs> getting naked in the bathroom. That's a ode to um, women who wear a one piece and then oh, right. have to get fully naked. Oh in the my bathroom. god! I've been get walked naked in, on, in the bathroom. I've been walked in on in a porter potty at South by Southwest, <laughs> butt naked because I was wearing a leotard. That was the one and only time I've worn a onesie in a festival. <laughs> it's it like you think worst. it seems I, like a great like, idea, and then you're at a festival and you're like, now I'm naked in a porta potty. Yes, I was just like, I felt like a dog. I was just like, all right, here I am, just squatting, <laughs> totally naked. <laughs> Here you go. I just burned in your brain. All right. Have a great day. <laughs> I think we should end on that mental image. Okay. Me. <laughs> Started with periods. Yes. Ended with go. porta bodies. Yeah, Perfect. Great. Success. Perfect. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Did you just say we could do two guys in a row? Who cares? Yeah, I was talking Did about. That. I was it's talking about. Record. I was talking about our podcast schedule release. <laughs> it's cool, but it's cool for you to turn on the mic then <laughs> and then bring it up in that that creepy way, Brad. Just a shame. Really mature guys. I'm gonna just talking. I'm gonna make a mix, a remix of that. Great. Can't <laughs> well, that wait for fun. that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, check out 
Greta's band, Springtime Carnivores, new album, Midnight Room. It's out now. And check out her album with Katie Goodman, Take It, It's Yours, if you like punk covers. And who doesn't? I do. I love a, I what, love a good cover. What's your favorite, what's your guys' favorite punk cover? I, li- I love to be covered in punk. <laughs> Brad, you are covered in punk. I like, um, no, you guys heard NoFX's cover of Last Caress? Yeah. From that Misfits comp where it's like, it's really good. They have like kind of like a Scott Punky breakdown. I had oh God, I have so many of these, but now I didn't think about it. I'm totally on the spot. Got to see where it goes, man. That makes me think of NoFX's Straight Edge cover. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that is a good one. It's a good punk cover. Um, I saw Mike Hem do Astro Zombies once live. That was pretty good. Yeah. You know, I got to say, the, the best cover, punk cover I've ever heard, because it was different because he tweaked it, um, and you just mentioned him, is uh, Marilyn Manson covers uh, KKK Took My Baby Away. Really? Ah. And it's like, it's a, it's a good cover because you're like, oh, I kind of recognize this and it's still good. We, you know, what's interesting is like all those like early metal bands, like it's like eighties metal bands were so like, you know, like Metallica covered last caress, like, um, Motley Crue covered anarchy in the UK, but called it anarchy in the USA. Like all of those, you, you wouldn't really equate those like Motley Crue, Metallica and those bands with. I mean, you would a little, but it's inter- that's kind of interesting to me, too. Who covered it first, Molly Crew or Megadeth? They both did. I don't know who covered it first. I think changing it to Anarchy in the USA is pretty lame. It is pretty lame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it seems to me like you don't really understand what the song's about. I mean, the great thing, there's been so many Misfits covers, and the great thing about covering the Misfits is you, you know it's always going to sound better than the original. Always. Although, I was, and I'm a Misfits fan, so don't like, I'm not a hater. Here's what I heard about the Misfits um, from people who are at Riot Fest. Uh, Denver show, amazing. Chicago show, not amazing. Oh, really? Yeah. And then basically nothing else is going to happen. Well, they probably sound better now than they did back in the day. I mean, they, they just, you know, they were terrible live. Their records sound like shit. Oh, yeah. I it's was a testament that when they, great when they reunited, they would do like a 10-minute a just guitar tuning set just for those of <laughs> us who never saw them but listened to the bootlegs. And if you're digging this combo, check out her old episode of Gone Off Track with Doyle Von Frankenstein. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The most- and then, then if you're a real purist, you can listen to one of our earliest shows with Lyle Presley where he talks about releasing um, The Coffin Box. And being in Sam Hain. <laughs> which, no, which none of us knew. Yeah. And if you're really a fan, you can Google a YouTube video for Clowns for Progress at Niagara Halloween and see me shirtless playing Misfits covers. Oh, and Brad, do you want to mention <laughs> Clowns of Progress recently in the news? Brad's old, <laughs> oh, yeah. Clowns for Progress. Brad's, Brad's old band, band, Clowns of Progress, <laughs> recently made some headlines. Why don't you tell everyone why, Brad? This is not a joke. No. Because some fucking dude slashed up a shitload of people wearing... Wearing one of their shirts. Now it was the shirt that came out before I joined the band, so I have I can take no responsibility for this. It was one of their original Clowns for Progress yeah, but t-shirts. He was probably like <laughs> listening to like your guitar songs and was like, Oh, I guess I'm gonna put on this shirt and go slash a bunch of people. <laughs> what was your was reaction stunning. when someone sent you that? I was shocked. Uh it was hilarious. Nobody got killed, so it wasn't, you know, like I could I could laugh. I was allowed to laugh, but yeah, he looked like um, not like a winner. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Did he look like 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 a guy who would have been at one of your shows? Though? 
Yeah, there were a few shows. I mean, this happened in Oklahoma, so we played some crazy shows in weird places like Oklahoma and Western Iowa and great crowds, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, not a lot of colored food if, in their diets, if you know what I mean. Like green food? <laughs> uh, I also wanted to say thank you to everyone who came out to our live podcast. Oh, yeah. With Large and Grace it was amazing. and Danazi. That, that was, was amazing. so fun. Thank you all for being there. Yeah. And buying tickets and reading a book. Yeah. How often does that We're happen? pro-literacy here going off track. I read, that, I, re- talk. I read that book in like literally three days. So good. It's a fast read. Then I gave my copy to Benny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll be back next week with more podcast and fun. Give us money. Give us money at goingofftrack.com to help uh, support our server costs and leave us a nice review on iTunes. Um, okay, thanks. We can do two guys in a row, who cares?